welcome to Chumbology, a Chumbawamba anthology podcast. Today we're going to be discussing the song More Whitewashing, which is track five off of Chumbawamba's debut album, Pictures of Starving Children Sell Records, Starvation, Charity, and Rock and Roll Lies and Traditions. Really doesn't get easier to say that as it goes on. It does not. It's really a tongue twister. I, I always think like it's going to just start rolling off the tongue, but every time I either have to look at it or I have to think like really fucking hard about it. You know what fucks me up? It's the number of times the word and is in the title. <laughs> yeah, and the ands don't make any sense. It's rock and roll lies and traditions. Yeah, well it's... it's because I guess rock and roll is a, a singular concept. Right. It, charity and rock and roll lies and traditions. I don't know. Yeah. I, th- they could have workshopped that one a little bit more, I think. <laughs> yeah, do do better, Chumbawamba. Yeah, jeez. Hashtag do better <laughs> on your 30-something-year-old album that probably by this point you and I are, like, the top listeners on Spotify. <laughs> I would... I'm really excited for, like, my end-of-the-year list and uh, it just to be Chumbawamba. Literally, though. Like, it's gonna be... And it's probably gonna be this album more than any other for me. Because, like I was telling you earlier today, every time I, like, listen to one of the songs to prepare for, um, like, talking about it on the podcast, I end up listening to the rest of the album after that song. So, like, by the time... It's a good-ass album. It's a really good album, and by the time we finish, uh, we finish this, uh, season, as it were, I'm probably gonna have listened to, like, the last track on this album, like, fucking 50 times in the, in the month we've been <laughs> doing this. <laughs> yeah, so... Yeah, real stoked to see the end of the year. Uh, you know, usually they, they like, usually it's like the genres that you listen to a lot and the top artists. Mine is just going to be like, what are you doing? Yeah, you all right, bud? Yeah. yeah you having a real one? <laughs> Feels like you've been going through something. Are you all right? <laughs> um, Anarchy was already going to be my number one album of the year just because I listened to it so fucking much. Yeah. Um, and now between that and now starting this podcast, I'm really... Really off the deep end with my Chumbawamba listening stats. Yeah, I actually spent some time listening to another band today, and I was like, oh, this isn't for a podcast. What am I doing? <laughs> I've become one of those people all of a sudden. I've become one of those, like, podcast people all of a sudden. I haven't yeah. listened to other music besides Chumbawamba in, like, a month. And I've just been listening to podcasts at work and, like, on my commute. Like, I don't know what happened. <laughs> That's fair. I go through periods where I won't listen to music. I'll only listen to podcasts because... Like, listening to music sometimes, especially if you, as you get older, I feel less of an emotional connection to it yeah. than I do with a show where two men just scream about how fucked the world is, which could be the descriptor of, like, 90% of the podcasts I listen to. And <laughs> that, that, that could that be the descriptor feel... of 90% of podcasts. That's true. <laughs> it's just everyone and, and is that... along a different political spectrum. <laughs> <laughs> And that that makes me feel a little bit safer and uh, puts my mind at ease more than, like, some emo band pretending it's still 10 years ago. Yeah, right. Yeah, I... Is that what is that what being in your, like, late 20s, early 30s is? Just accepting that podcasts are a better use of your time than listening to most bands? Yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, You used to get into either talk radio or, like, easy listening. Yeah. And now podcasts have kind of replaced the two of them. Yeah, as yeah, a yeah. combination. Yeah, it, like... <laughs> You know, dear listeners, for those of you who don't know, Teddy and I are in a band together, and um, we've bo- we have both been in many bands throughout our our young lives, and um, we have band practice tomorrow for the first time in what like three weeks, and uh, I'm like, all right, we still do that too. <laughs> 
If it makes you feel any better, I literally had a message typed out to our group chat to see if I could cancel practice so I could go see a Teenage Halloween and Anna Grizzle, and then I decided <laughs> that I don't want to do that because I'm old and achy. You don't want to come <laughs> so, to Brooklyn twice in a, twice in I, a week? I really don't. Especially, we'll, we'll cut some of this out, but I'm like doing a bunch of shit tomorrow morning in Jersey City, and then I have a practice with the other band I'm in, and then I have to install a dryer, and then I was supposed to have our practice. So it's like, even if I skip like our practice, there's still a lot of things to do and still yeah. make it to and from Brooklyn. So yeah, uh, you want to introduce like the, the lyrics of this song a bit? Uh, yeah, so this song is called More Whitewashing, as we said, and uh, if you were paying attention last week, um, you'll recognize that phrase, the whitewashing phrase from the song Unilever, and... It's kind of a continuation of some of the ideas that were presented in Unilever, but like kind of generalizing it a little bit more to talk about capitalism and companies uh, as a whole rather than attacking a single one of them. Um, This song is very much about like, I mean, to put it simply, it's about how consumerism, capitalism are just eroding everything about like being a healthy human being. Like it's all about consumption and it's destroying us, and it kind of plays back into the um, the slagade concept of criticizing out of touch rich people who insist that the actions they're taking are charitable when it's their wealth that's creating the poverty be- to begin with. Uh, I think it's really well summed up in this one verse in the song uh, that includes the lines: "Sing about a world of make believe, force this charity, and leave." Rich people who claim to know what's wrong with this world can't know anything at all. They're busy giving the orders for us to build their second homes. I'm like, yeah, you know, like, it, it, it's it's just another, it's another attack on the concept of this Live Aid type concert um, where all these rich people show up and they make a show out of doing something charitable and then they just go back to their mansions and, you know, continue to perpetuate the systems that create the poverty to begin with. There's a, another line a little bit later on in the song that's, uh, if you send a little money, you can sleep tonight. It's like, oh, yeah. damn, like that's all right. Yeah, that that really sums up like the, the liberal mentality of yeah. throwing money at problems or not even really throwing money at problems, but, but like trying to make a, a small, meaningless donation in order to kind of hide the fact that you're contributing to this. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, the last line of the song to the... Uh, Hunger put the sparkle back in television. The way they deliver that is just oh, so yeah. good. I fucking love this song. It's a good one. <laughs> as as every, pretty much every single song, uh, we'll, we'll see if we ever get to a point where they're like honest critiques of the songs that Chumba Wumba writes. But pretty much every song is just me going like, oh, no, yeah, this one fucking slaps, too. Like, like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We'll see. There are a couple of weaker ones, but we'll we'll, we'll get to them. Um, yeah, I think I think it's really interesting, like thinking about how most of the song is like continuing this like attack on the the rich, the the ruling class, um, doing these like hollow acts of charity, but it's also pointing fingers at like the middle class liberals, like you were saying, like uh, because they're sold this idea that they can just you know instead of actually engaging with any of the big problems in the world, uh, they can just put in a little money towards some charity that has, like, a vague mission of, like, eradicating hunger 
And that's all they need to assuage the fact that they live in, you know, a wealthy Western country that the reason poverty exists throughout so much of the rest of the world is because of the consumption of the country they live in. Yeah, and that's definitely like a repeated point of this is that while the people ultimately to blame are like the slag aid and live aid people of the world, that it's the the liberal middle class that really um, lends itself to the like the continuation of this. That unless we're willing to wake up, unless we're willing to rise up, unless we're willing to uh, like do something. Um, much like in the last song we discussed, Unilever, it leaves us with the lyrics, uh, somewhere in the cycle there's me and you, what are we prepared to do? And while the rich are the ones perpetrating this and the poor are the ones that are ultimately being exploited for this, somewhere in there is the middle class, somewhere in there is, quote-unquote, the middle class, somewhere in there is like like us uh, as a Western country that is living off of the exploits of these third world countries, living off the exploits of people locally and, and abroad. Yeah. And uh, Chumbawamba really doesn't shy away from pointing out that, like, well, yes, like, the, the larger issue is the systemic problems behind this and the people that continue to push those systems. But at some point, you have to be responsible for your own actions and your own uh, complicity in the system. Yeah. It's almost like, it's almost worth asking, like, if these... If these systems would exist, if there wasn't a demand for them, you know, it's 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 a little bit of a chicken and an egg situation of like, of like, would these ruling classes exist if there weren't middle class people, like complacent middle class people who uh, desired the things that were being peddled to them, uh, or would the middle class like desire the things being peddled to them if there wasn't a ruling class making them? You know what I mean? Like, so. What I appreciate about the way Chumbawamba has approached this issue, both in this song and pretty consistently throughout the album, is that, like, everyone's to blame, at least partially. Like, no one is free of complicity in these problems. I think the people, I almost feel like the people that they reserve the most scorn for are the people who think that it's like, oh, well, I'll make a $5 recurring donation to a fucking like the red cross or something or like i'll throw 20 bucks at live aid or i'll uh buy one of those red clown noses at rite aid every like (laughs) fucking like july or whenever they do that you know um i was it was actually this is a little serendipitous uh when you were like taking a moment to pull up uh the lyrics for that last song uh one of my friends texted me a picture uh, that I think is a really good metaphor for that for this problem, right? Uh, she sent me a picture of uh, of a bag in a grocery store with an image of mushrooms on it, like like sliced up mushrooms, and it says King Trumpet Mushroom Crisps, <laughs> and these are these are mushroom chips, and I think who the fuck is making that and who is it for it's for people who just like mindlessly consume whatever's put in front of them like no if we if we're being real i would go to fucking town on some mushroom chips i I, fucking love mushrooms i don't know as 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 i grow older and more esoteric in my vegetarian ways i would eat the shit out of mushroom chips i mean i made this i made fun of people when they started making those fucking like the the green bean chips or whatever those things are fucking sick well, and that's so. the way that you're complicit, Teddy, in this yeah, cycle in, in of my, oppression. My, my love for vegetarian fast food. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I could fuck with mushroom chips. 
I don't, I don't know. I don't they're think probably, I could do they're it. They're probably so fucking good. Uh, You're making me hungry just thinking about it. Well, I haven't eaten dinner yet. Go to Wegmans and get some mushroom chips, I guess. <laughs> I probably will. I'm going to see if they have them tomorrow. Oh, God. <laughs> so, uh, that's where I am in this cycle. Yeah. Eating mushroom chips from Wegmans. That's all right. <laughs> I, where am I in this cycle? I guess, you know what? If you put a bag of mushroom chips in front of me, I would probably at least try one. Yeah. I, I can talk all the shit I want, but who am I kidding? I'm a garbage I'm going to put a bag of mushroom chips in front of you tomorrow, and we'll see. We'll put your money where your mouth is. All right. I'm going to be honest, though. I'm going to be unflinching <laughs> in my review. That's fair. Yeah. Your, your words mean nothing to me. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why we do a podcast together, because we have no mutual <laughs> respect. Yeah, um, this is all all hate podcasts. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think the thing about... Um, I think the thing about this song that is the most consistent with like Chumbawamba's values though is like they 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 direct a lot of hate at the rich. They direct a lot of like snide like energy towards the um the middle class who are like complacent with just throwing money at the problem. Uh but ultimately it's always the poor. It's always the poorest most disadvantaged people who end up getting fucked the most. And they really drive this point home with the line, burying the poor. And that's a line that, towards the end of the song, is just repeated and repeated and repeated and repeated, like, I think, eight times in a row, 16 times in a row. Um, but yeah, it just kind of, like, really drives it home. It's like, it's always the poorest people who are screwed over the most. I don't think that Chumbawamba necessarily always, like, directly attacks the rich, which, I mean, they, they definitely do in a lot of their music, but they also, as we pointed out before, they attack the kind of people that, like, aspire to be rich. Like, yes. the the, uh, the the people who are, are, like, middle class but dream of owning a yacht one day, the people that are always yearning for more and, and always think, like, pretty much, like, like it's usually an attack on liberalism in, in yeah. some degree. That, like, I mean... When we when you break it down, like of course, like the the ultra rich are the the issue here, and they are bad people, and most people at this point are aware of that. Like I I think if you pulled people and asked like, is Jeff Bezos a good person? Most people would say like, no, like fuck that guy. Like he's making billions of dollars while the people who, who work for him aren't getting jack shit. But if you ask people like, is Hillary Clinton a bad person? Are like the people who run democratic and then don't actually do anything are like, is your boss a bad person? Things like that. I think when we get more into like the, the petty bourgeois class that, uh, that we have an issue and that's the people that I feel like Chumbawamba really takes like shots at a lot. And I appreciate that because yeah. fuck those people, all yeah. the people that think they're like the, the, I, the term is like, like a temporary embarrassed millionaire or whatever. Oh my God. Like, yeah. God, like the, the worst fucking people of alive. Yeah. I'd rather have like a billionaire who at least knows he's like an, a, like a human piece of shit than like someone who thinks that they're changing the world because they own like a uh, Tesla or something. <laughs> <laughs> Tesla owners is like the perfect the perfect summation of this. Like if you own a Tesla, fuck you. Like just stop buying like forty thousand dollar cars and just like stop eating red meat or some shit. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, it, it's and like that's you know I can't speak to the culture in uh, in the UK, but that's like you know as two Americans, like that's like the thing we're sold from like the moment we're fucking born, right? Like. 
you know, you and I both come from middle class backgrounds, but I remember just all the time thinking like, oh, cool, it'd be sick to be rich. Like, I can't wait to be rich one day. Like, that's what I want to be one day, you know? So like... Yeah, everyone everyone always thinks that they're going to be rich one day or yeah. that they're going to they're gonna make it, that they're going to be special, that yeah. something about your achievements and you as a person will, will somehow rise above the system and do better, that, that you are a unique individual and... Realistically, that's not even how you get to be a billionaire. You could be like the most unique guy. You could be the smartest guy, and you could be fucking making like twelve dollars at a shitty job because someone who is much dumber than you and much meaner and much more willing to exploit you took advantage of that and is now your manager. Yeah, everyone I've ever met who is wealthy or either is an asshole or everyone in their family is an asshole, and I don't think that's a coincidence. <laughs> I, I know, like, I legitimately know maybe, like, three people who are dead-ass, like, picked themselves up by the bootstraps and made a bunch of money, and they're, like, okay, but every other person I've ever met who has more than, like, $10,000 in their bank account should fucking rot. <laughs> it's like those dudes you run into at basement shows who, like, you look at their pedal board and you're like, that's more than my college tuition, like, what are you doing? Like... <laughs> yeah, there's nothing... We can do an entire podcast about the DIY scene, but there's nothing I hate more than people fucking, like, cosplaying as poor to try and fit into DIY scenes. Right. Like, like the, the amount of gear snobbery that goes around and the amount of times that, like, people act like having a fucking expensive amp is really what makes music good is, like, so antithetical to DIY and yet has become such like a fucking part of the culture mm -hmm. that it's really just like incredibly transparent that it's just like rich white kids looking for a reason to shit on poor people. Yeah. While simultaneously setting up shop for their basement venues in all of the poor people's neighborhoods. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> like it's the easiest way to like, like devalue someone's art. Like, Oh, they, they made that in like fruity loops using like basic samples. Yeah. Well, I have like a $40,000 amp and like a, a pedal that they made six copies of. And like, that's so fucking stupid. The best album ever made was made on a cracked version of fruity loops. Is that soldier that boys? Soldier, yeah. <laughs> it's soldier boy. Soldier boy. Tell com. The most important album of the past 50 years that's my follow-up podcast to this once we go through all of chumbawamba i'm gonna go through all of soldier boy by myself <laughs> admittedly that'll be a shorter podcast but soldier boy's got like at least seven or eight albums really? and probably like 20 mixtapes hell yeah yeah all he's right. been he's been pumping them out he has a uh he has a mixtape with um i think it's little l big l i think it's big l from a who is most famous for being in the pack, which was the rap group that uh, Lil B got his start in. Oh. And uh, they have a mixtape where half of the songs are about Super Mario and the other half are about Domo. And <laughs> it is not good. <laughs> I would listen to that, though, just to fucking see. That's crazy. Well, that's cool. We, we got, we got two to podcast it's, it's a real ideas. Thing. We got two podcast yeah. ideas this week. Um, the DIY pad podcast and the Soldier Boy podcast, so that's good. I'm sure. I'm sure that the last thing the world needs in real reality is uh, two white people talking about rap music on a podcast. <laughs> well, to be fair, you said you were going to do it by yourself. <laughs> that's true. So just me. It'll be your solo podcast. Your solo podcasting career. That's. That's what'll get me canceled. Is my my love of Soldier Boy. <laughs> if. <laughs> If if loving Soldier Boy is worth being canceled, I don't want to be uncanceled. 
That's <laughs> that's what it's gonna say on my tombstone. <laughs> All right, you wanna you wanna talk to us about the uh, the music of this song? Yeah. So this song, as with a lot of the other songs of this album, fucking slaps. And once again, it starts out with a, a sick bass line. Mm-hmm. As with most Chumbawamba songs, I'm growing to learn that much, maybe I just really like a much different kind of sick bass line. This one is much simpler. Oh. It's much simpler, but it it gets in there. Yeah, it does what it needs to do, which I appreciate. Especially like towards the end, like uh, like like towards the second half when it's got that kind of it's going back and forth. There, I'm really really into that. Yeah, I fuck with this song a lot. Uh, if it wasn't apparent that we started a Chumbawamba podcast, um, yeah, yeah, songs a songs a hit. I I this is one of not the first songs on the album, but it it's one of the ones that really heavily utilizes both vocalists mm-hmm. and I always really appreciate that. I, I love the the way that they play with both of their like vocal ranges and kind of have the guy do the angry like announcer sing mm-hmm. talk over everything. Yeah, especially with how different their voices are. I really appreciate that about this song. It's like the, the, the her voice is so like so like almost classically good right like she's got like a very nice singing voice and he just kind of does like the talk sing like just burying the poor you know like it's almost like over dramatic like like you yeah i really like it it's like very it's a very cool dichotomy between the two like different kinds of vocals and yeah i love it i love it too it's a great song the more I listen to Chumbawamba, the more I realize that, like, all the things I liked about World Inferno Friendship Society were just, like, straight ripped from Chumbawamba. <laughs> You're so right. <laughs> hey. There are worse yeah. bands you can rip off. That is very true. You yeah. could rip off Soldier Boy. Well, <laughs> watch your mouth there. Um, and I, I really... <laughs> I really appreciate, um, this is another one of those songs, uh, that of so far we've discovered there are a lot of on this album, where there are two separate parts that don't feel like they belong together, but they end up wor- really working. Like, most of this song is pretty mid-tempo, kind of calm, like, you know, like, there's a little bit of energy to it, it's got a little bit of a, uh, a spring in its step, but it's not, like, wild. But then the last, like, minute or so of the song, it just goes fucking, like, off the rails with, like, this crazy drumming and this, like, the vocals become a little harsher, the guitars become more distorted, and it's really cool. It's another, like, kind of mashup of two different styles that I think Chumbawamba really had going for them in a big way on this album. On on the initial, like, listen to I thought it was two distinct songs because it really does, like, a 180 about halfway through there. It does get pretty heavy, and um, that drum beat at the end. Oh yeah, on point. <laughs> we should we should remind our listeners that every time you hear Teddy go, it's because they're doing a uh, a chef's kiss. That time I actually did a, a wink and a like an okay symbol. But oh, I can see. Pretend it's a chef kiss. <laughs> <laughs> For... Maybe I'll edit around you explaining that so that it stays canonical that it's always a a, <laughs> a chef's kiss. <laughs> You can do that. We we wouldn't want to. Uh... We don't want people to complain about about it on Reddit. I don't know. <laughs> I want people to complain about me on Reddit. That's my only goal in life. Do you want to guess? Do you want to guess how many mixtapes Soldier Boy has put out? Uh let's say fifteen. <laughs> oh, not even close. Oh my god! He is has. It more? 
He has six studio albums, uh-huh. three compilation albums, 38 music videos, 14 EPs, 50 singles, and 60 mixtapes. Holy shit. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> now that's the podcast you do until you die. Yeah, I don't... I, honestly, if you did one... It would it would take me like like at least like ten years to get through all of them. How old is Soldier Boy? Um, I think he just turned thirty. How how does someone make that much music in like realistically like twelve years? A lot of it's really bad. He's twenty nine. Oh my god. Yeah, as as someone who is a huge Soldier Boy fan, a lot of his later work really doesn't hold up. <laughs> There was a point where, like, especially he, he's got, like, a bunch of mixtapes that were, like, with other people on it. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure it was one of those things where, like, if you pay Soldier Boy enough money, he will, like, surely freestyle over, like, four tracks. But then you can say that you release a mixtape with Soldier Boy. That fucking rules. That's the only ethical way to become rich. By scamming people he... into letting you freestyle on their beats. <laughs> um, he, in 2016, he released a mixtape called Ignorant Shit with a uh, little Bow Wow. Amazing. <laughs> I'm going to have to listen to that. I am going to listen to that as soon as we stop recording. <laughs> I literally already have the link for Mario and Domo versus the world pulled up so I can send it to you. <laughs> Fucking fantastic. Yeah, we'll, we'll put that in the show notes for all you real soldier heads out there. Soldier heads. <laughs> well, folks, we really, uh, we really hope you appreciated this teaser episode of our spinoff podcast <laughs> about Soldier Boy. Yeah, but now we're like going to take it over to Chumbawamba versus the people. <laughs> This is our segment in which we uh, visit the YouTube comments on uh, Chumbawamba songs. You know, the first couple times we did this segment, not very many hits. However, the past two songs, including this one, there have been some there have been some good comments on here. <laughs> I I love like YouTube comment culture. It, it like scratches like that baby boomer itch for me. Yeah, yeah. It's it's like. It's such a unique way of sharing your opinion about something, because I feel like it's one of the last places on the internet, at least the mainstream internet, where you can still pretty easily be anonymous. You know, not a lot of people aren't, because a lot of people just, like, have it with their Gmail account or whatever. But, you know, it's one of the last places that's, like, a mainstay of the internet that, like, your, your grandma might know about, where you might run into <laughs> someone who has... A username like Serena the Punk Socialist, you know, <laughs> just to pick a random, uh, random username off of here. So I really like the culture surrounding it as well, and uh, I cannot decide what my favorite comment that I pulled this week was. But one of them is uh, David Bennett sixty wrote five years ago. She has a voice like an angle. <laughs> And there, I shit you not, this is so pure, like, so sweet and pure. There's, like, a comment thread of, like, ten people going, right, acute, or obtuse? It's <laughs> like, that's so That's cool. some straight, like, mm, uh, you win the internet today, sir. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, you, you, you own that man who spelled angle wrong. <laughs> Then someone write, uh, but then, but then somehow there's like an argument about people being snobs about like anarcho punk, like, like saying like, oh, they were a great band before and after tub thumping, and tub thumping was nothing to be ashamed of. I'm like, just, just fucking relax for five minutes, can you? Yeah, fucking grow up and start a podcast about it. All right, yeah. no one wants to hear your shit on a fucking YouTube comment. 
at least this way people can opt out of listening to your shitty opinions. <laughs> um, and I also really like the one uh, where someone just simply wrote, still gotta love the tub song. Yeah, I'm I'm the tub song, gotta love me. <laughs> I was saving that joke ever since I saw you post that. Thank you. <laughs> no, nothing like a good Chumbawamba Dinosaurs crossover. Um, I think I think my favorite is oh god, let me pull it up. Where did you go, my sweet angel? Here we go from Del Phillips seven years ago. You'd better believe it. T five Hey are brilliant. One of few who aren't afraid to tell the truth. I have thirteen albums. My fave is Anarchy. <laughs> that last part was an exclamation point. So I er that last part was capitalized. So I had to. Uh, Read it in the uh, the proper cadence of. I speech. have twelve albums. My favorite is Anarchy. <laughs> um, it's I have thirteen albums. Oh, My fave is Anarchy. Oh, you fucking dolt. Sorry, I went <laughs> off book too soon. I didn't memorize That's my okay. lines. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's 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 a beautiful little subculture that we get to like dive into uh, once every week here on Chumbology. Um, appropriately summed up. By Marcus Williams nine years ago, who simply wrote, Wankers. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to put in one more, which is um, from YouTube user All Men Are Rapists. Uh, <laughs> easily, easily as good as Crass in these days. Just wish they had done as much as Crass and stayed like this. And as someone who is a fan of Crass and Chumbawamba, I would very much argue that Chumbawamba did more and got better than Crass did. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I mean, simply by virtue of the fact that Chumbawamba literally put out more albums. <laughs> but that's all right. Yeah. Um. Oh, just one one last good one. One last nugget. Bob Dylan wishes. Bob Dylan wishes he could write lyrics as powerful as these. So yeah, fuck you, Bob Dylan. Yeah. That's from Cre- Crime Wave One Eight Six. Take your Nobel Prize and put it in your butt, Bob Dylan. Does Does Bob Dylan have a fucking Nobel Prize? Oh, yeah. He won the Nobel Prize in literature a few years ago for some fucking reason. <laughs> I feel like anyone who has a Nobel Prize should get the guillotine. I, it's all a scam. There's not, there's not a single good person who's won the Nobel Prize. And that is a fact, and I will be accepting your comments in Dan's DMs about my... Oh, in my DMs. Yeah, great. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, Dan's DMs. DM Dan, if you if you have any problem with anything I ever say on this podcast, just DM Dan about it. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter, at Dan Baker is okay. <laughs> and just send me send me all of your hate for Teddy. I'm, I'm actually Teddy's business manager. <laughs> all right, Teddy. Uh, what are your final thoughts about the song More Whitewashing? Um, more Whitewashing, a slapper. Ending is really fucking good. Um, the way that it ends with like that kind of like like upbeat part where where they're they're yelling hunger put the sparkle back in television, absolute top notch. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm gonna go ahead and give this song um, a, a 55 out of 60 Soldier Boy mixtapes. <laughs> yeah, I, I I I'm with you. It's it's like a it's a really good song. I think it's I think it fits in with this album really well. It's another song off of the album that I feel like really captures what the whole album is about. Like, it's really good as part of the whole sequence, but if I had to introduce someone to this album using just one song, uh, this might be one of the ones I would consider picking. Uh, because it, it's, it's just really good. It captures the the lyrical themes and the musical themes really well. And it's... uh. It's a pretty good song, you know? It, it, it slaps, as to borrow a phrase from you. Um, if I had to rate it, 
I would say, um, on a scale from Bob Dylan to Soldier Boy, well, it's Chumbawamba. <laughs> I'll get better. Scale. I'll get better at these. I promise. You'll, you'll get funny one day. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> All right, so our last little segment here at the show is going to be the leftism of the week, which is where we highlight um, leftism or anarchism uh, in action somewhere in the world, whether it be a person, a place, a organization, or an event. And today we are going to talk very briefly on the UAW strikes, which are going on right now. Um, so the UAW, um, while only a three-letter acronym, stands for... International Union, United Automobile, Aerospace, and Agricultural Implementation Workers of America. That's a and title so like kind of uh, kind of on par with uh, pictures of starving children sell records, starvation <laughs> yeah, charity, that... and rock and roll lies and traditions. <laughs> yeah, one of the guys from Chumbawamba decided to be a union uh, naming All organizer right. after uh, after the band split up. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so they are currently not entirely on strike, but a portion of their workers who work for GM are on strike. And this is the fourth week of the strike just started there on day 22 as of when we're recording this, which is October 7th, 2019. Um, there are approximately 50,000 workers on strike. Um, the strike when it began was estimated to have been costing GM about $10 million a day. Nowadays, due to the lack of production, they're approximating that every day that these workers are on strike, GM is losing $90 million. Hell yeah. The strike began after a collective uh, bargaining deal from 2015 expired. And a direct quote from a spokesperson from the UAW union is that the UAW is striking to prefer, uh, preserve fair wages, affordable health care, profit sharing, and job security, among other things. So one of the main concerns, especially as industries like this get more automated, is uh, like job security. Yeah. Uh, a lot of ways around having like full-time workers or having like like union workers is companies will hire either temp workers who will work on a contract and then be let go or they'll hire two part-time people to do like a full-time person's job so they can avoid paying benefits or um, having to have them be considered like a full-time union member and so uh, the UAW is striking to prevent all that um, fuck GM support these workers in any way you can if you're interested in more about what exactly it means for them to be on strike or uh, you're looking for a way to either donate your time or money or just learn a little bit more about the cause you can go to uaw.org we'll put a link to that in the show notes right underneath the soldier boy mixtape <laughs> yeah I, I think um I think what rules about this is what rules about uh, strikes in general. It's just a reminder that, like, despite what we're sold, despite what we're, what we're taught to believe, like, the only thing, like, a shitty billionaire capitalist cares about is money. And if we stop doing the things that earn them money, they'll start listening to us. And, you know, th that statistic that you say, uh, that you say... It, it originally cost GM like $10 million a day and is now costing them as much as $90 million a day. 
Like, that's pretty cool, and a really cool illustration of just how much power workers have when they are a collective. Yeah, I mean, realistically, unions are great. I'm, I'm, you will never catch me talking shit on unions, but a collective-owned workforce where everyone makes a profit, which is profit sharing is one of the things the UAW is fighting for, mm-hmm. is the only future that isn't exploitive yeah. um, that we should be looking forward to. Um, yeah. With this strike... One of the main reasons that GM is finally getting pushed to a deal is when they're losing this money, they're losing so much money that they're going to be downgraded in their terms of how much debt they have into, I think it was considered they will be like a junk loan, um, like in, into like the junk loan category or something. I don't know. None of this capitalist bullshit makes any sense to me. No. But it will literally be like impossible for them to like loan against their assets because they will have so much debt just because of these workers uh, unionizing and using their collective bargaining power to make their lives a little better. Hell yeah. You know, it's actually uh, appropriate that we're talking about this strike on our Chumbawamba podcast because aside from, you know, uh, I, I, don't know if the, I don't know if they get into it as much on this album as they do on later albums, but Chumbawamba was obviously like very pro-union. They wrote, they wrote a lot of songs that were about strikes and like worker, workers' rights and conditions. Um I believe it was in the early 2000s, uh, GM licensed one of Chumbawamba's songs, realistically probably Tub Thumping, but I don't know off it the top of my head. It wasn't Tub Thumping. What? It wasn't Tub Thumping. No? What was it? No, uh, let me look it up. Oh god, that's wild that it wasn't Tub Thumping. But, you know, uh, GM licensed one of their songs, and uh, Chumbawamba accepted the money, it was like $100,000. And then they diverted that donation directly to anarchist leftist organizations. So to to give the exact version of what you just said is so um, Chumbawamba was paid uh, somewhere between $70,000 and $100,000 by General Motors for the use of the song Pass It Along to be used in a Pontiac Vibe television commercial in 2002. Chumbawamba then immediately gave the money to the anti-corporate activist groups. It was Indie Media and Corp Watch, both of which they used the money to launch an environmental and informational campaign against GM. That fucking rules. (laughs) Yeah, so on that note, fuck GM, Chumbawamba rules. Um, Apparently, Pretty Boy Millionaires 2 mixtape is dropping in 2019. Check back soon for more on our Soldier Boy podcast. <laughs> I've decided I'm doing the podcast with you. <laughs> and if you send a little money, you can sleep tonight. Or start with Cynthia on a limits diet. And you know that charity cures malnutrition. And hung up on the sparkle back in television. Hung up on the sparkle back in television. Hung up on the sparkle back in television. Thank you so much for listening to Chumbology, a Chumbawamba anthology podcast. The music in this episode is the song More Whitewashing from Chumbawamba's debut album, Pictures of Starving Children Sell Records. And we don't have the rights for it. And that's okay, because we've managed to upload four episodes to iTunes anyway. The show is on iTunes and Spotify, and you can also follow along at chumbology.rocks or Chumbology Rocks on Twitter. That's C-H-U-M-B-O-L-O-G-Y-R-O-C-K-S.